everyone. Dr. B here again, Saturday morning, sitting in the barn. You've heard me say that before. I do sit in the barn. It's a beautiful day outside in Napa Valley. And you're wondering, what are you doing indoors making this recording? Well, I think it's because we went out last night. My wife and I went out to a concert, live music, first live music since COVID uh, appeared. And, you know, we saw Van Wilco outdoors, standing room only, small venue. Uh, the moon was out. It was just wonderful being out. They checked for vaccination, identification at the front. It felt very safe. And I think that changes us. It really, especially if we don't get it, sitting at home on Zoom calls in front of a TV screen, computer screen, a smartphone screen, I think that really takes a lot out of us. And it also means we're missing out on a lot. And that world out there, once you do step out there and listen to music or watch someone perform something, tell a story, be part of a story, I think that enriches us and it inspires us. So anyway, I just wanted to say that the first thing I thought of was not going out on a mountain bike ride. It was just waking up, having a cup of coffee with my wife, talking about the previous night, and then getting right to this podcast. So here we are. Today's question, I think, is a really interesting one because I've never been asked the question. I usually get asked, what is functional dentistry, not what am I looking forward to in functional dentistry? So it brings out a lot of interesting discussion points and feelings. And so I think it's important because it is a big deal. It's pretty much everything I'm all about. It's what this podcast is about. That's what the website is about. That is what my book was about indirectly, how dentists should be having the conversation with you about sleep. It's this functional approach. A lot of it is inspired by the functional medical community. Mark Hyman, MD, head of the Cleveland Clinic. I mean, his kind of bringing that to the forefront, that functional approach has certainly influenced me as well. Again, there's no reason why dentistry is any different than medicine. In fact, the two are the same. And again, that is a functional principle in itself. I'll get into that. So it's a great question because it allows me to kind of redefine what I'm doing for you. Maybe it's repetitive for some of you, a lot of you that have have been, that know me and that have been reading the website for the last 10, 12 years. But I think it's always good to re-ask these questions because something may change, something may need updating. So here we are. We're going to talk about that. So I'm going to define it first and then answer the listener's question, the viewer's question. And again, great question. It's going to bring out a lot here, I think. So here she is. Hello, Dr. Berhenna. I wanted to, first of all, thank you for your podcast. I've just been learning so, so much. And I can't believe what an incredible resource you are providing. I've learned so much from you already. My question for you today is, what are you most excited about right now in functional dentistry? Thanks so much. Marin, thank you so much for asking that question. I usually get asked, what is functional dentistry? And it's just, it's a great question because it's just, it's really wonderful to be asked about more than that. And that is, what am I excited about? Why do I like functional dentistry? That's really the question that we should all be talking about. Why are we having this conversation? So let me first define functional dentistry real quickly. I've included a link on what I've written about functional dentistry from our website, askthedentist.com. But just in review, so that when I talk about 
what's exciting for me, we have some background, some basis for what we're talking about. So functional dentistry is something relatively new. I've been practicing in this mindset now for about 20 years, maybe even earlier, but it really wasn't well-defined and it wasn't as comprehensive as I would have liked because my dental education was just that. It was being a safe clinician, someone that could fix things. But what I learned by practicing and working with my patients and seeing results and trying to understand where they came from, I started thinking in more of a root cause approach, thinking what we call in functional dentistry and functional medicine, working more upstream. The downstream stuff is essentially what the patient presents with. What happened upstream? What happened before that is really, it's sleuthing, it's detective work. I've always, as a kid, I used to take apart stuff, all, everything, clocks, cars, toys, you name it. Now, I couldn't always get it back together, but I just wanted to know how things worked or why something went wrong. I always tried to fix it instead of replacing it. So, okay, functional dentistry, intercepting pathology, pathological physiology or biology in order to prevent the compensations that the body is miraculous at in trying to fix things, although not all compensations are good, they have their side effects. So yeah, in order to prevent these things, the body compensates. And these compensations can lead to more pathology or a different kind of pathology, a pain or an illness, a cavity, gum disease. So again, by looking way for, backwards before these compensations occur, I see disease as a compensation. The body is reacting to something, to its external environment, to some chemical or something you know, some change in metabolism or damage to the body, musculoskeletal. These intercepting that pathology early is what functional dentistry is all about. So determining the most, another way of saying it is determining the most fundamental underlying cause of a disease. I'll give some examples. But currently functional dentistry is outside the mainstream of our healthcare system. Insurance doesn't necessarily recognize it, so they won't pay for it. If it doesn't get paid for by insurance, it's not going to be mainstream. And for right now, that's okay. I mean, I expect that to be the case. But in the end, I'm telling you, it's going to be mainstream because it's going to save the system a lot of money. It's going to, it's going to save the system, the healthcare system, which is slowly going bankrupt. It's also going to help a lot of patients. So on an individual basis, whether it's a dentist or a physician, that gets it and wants to practice that way to a patient that wants to be treated that way, whether it's a dental patient or a medical patient, it will happen one patient, one practitioner at a time. Yeah, so functional dentistry is not a recognized specialty by the ADA. They're the ones in charge of recognizing endodontics, periodontics, pediatric dentistry. And so functional dentistry is not a recognized specialty. That doesn't mean that a dentist can specialize and be a functional dentist. It just means it's not a recognized specialty. Functional dentistry is starting to be embraced by a small number of dentists. We actually have a directory. I'll give you the URL at the end of this episode. We have a small directory. It's a, about 150 dentists all over the world, mostly in the U.S., that 
have prescribed to this way of thinking. And so I'm embracing them and they're embracing, you know, our website and this podcast. And we're all kind of banding together because we think this is the way it should be. So again, that change will happen one practitioner at a time. And so these are open-minded dentists. They see beyond conventional practice. They see beyond their dental education. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that education is wrong. I'm just saying that there's more to it. It's hard to educate a dentist in three to four years. It's a very expensive proposition for tuition, but also to provide that education. And there's only so much you can do in the curriculum. So a lot of the learning occurs after the dentist gets out and starts working with patients. So the essence of functional dentistry is to look at lifestyle. I'm still trying to define this a little bit. To look at lifestyle, diet, the environment, the epigenetics. I mean, these forever chemicals, for example, that we're reading about now. I mean, it's frightening. You know, exposure to fluoride. A lot of it is iatrogenic, caused by dentists. Dentists putting in neurotoxins into fillings, the mercury content of an amalgam. And so, yeah, but it's, it's, so it's looking at all this and in turn, their effects on the patient and dental diseases. It can also be a systemic disease that's related to oral disease. Functional dentistry is starting to evaluate how it's even turning inwards on how specific dental procedures may have been or are contributing factors in other diseases. You know, again, neurotoxins, ingestion of fluoride, the effect, the neurotoxicity of that on a child's brain, infant's brain, even a fetal brain. So we're looking inwards as well at what we've been recommending. Again, that's the functional approach. Think big, think upstream. Improperly done root canals. Root canals can cause a lot of problem if they're not done properly. So most dentists fix broken down teeth. They treat infected mouths, gum disease, by repairing the damages resulting from dental disease. And there's also trauma, falling on your teeth, breaking them. And they touch on some of the conventionally agreed upon causes like, you know, dental plaque and bacteria and brush harder, floss more, don't eat this, eat that, you know, of course, obviously carbohydrates, but there really isn't much information in that message. It's like, why? And I think that's more helpful to a patient. Typically, if they understand why, then they're more likely to change their behavior or modify their behavior so that they are healthier. Yeah. So functional dentists, they look for airway issues, obstructions, uh, toxic exposures to chemicals that can affect facial development, soft tissues of the mouth and the gut, the oral microbiome. That's huge. I'm a firm believer that a dentist to practice to the standard of care has to be a practitioner of the oral microbiome. They have to understand it and they have to practice in that context. You know, the overall immune system, that's something that we need to understand. A lot of the activity of the immune system is in the mouth due to its whole position. It's very vulnerable and first line kind of position in, in physiological systems. So, yeah, functional dentists see the body as an integrated human machine, not just as a mouth. They're not practicing in a vacuum. And this integrated human machine or organism, it's actually a, probably a superorganism, a combination of the gut microbiome and the human tissue. And yeah, one part of the body can affect other parts of the body. That is a core principle in functional medicine and in dentistry. It is as well. What happens in the mouth happens in the body. It's called the oral systemic connection. So what I'm really excited about, I mean, there are different <laughs> levels of excitement here when it comes to functional dentistry, but a big part of my practice 
And my big, well, one of my aha moments, which is not one moment, it's a few months span or maybe a year, but nonetheless important. Uh, what I'm really excited about is how, as a functional dentist, I am able to intervene earlier with my patients, with anyone. <laughs> Sometimes it's at a party or at a get together. I'm able to intervene earlier with that patient's downward spiral involving sleep apnea, which involves so many aspects, so many comorbidities related to that. Alzheimer's, heart disease, diabetes, metabolic syndrome. Dentists can recognize, now this is important, this is a big part of functional dentistry because you know, we're considering root cause issues. We're thinking big globally, systemically is the word. Dentists can recognize sleep apnea decades before a physician can. I'm not trying to insult anyone here. It's a general statement. There are some physicians that are incredibly talented that are trained to see what dentists see, but what dentists see and what they're trained to see catches sleep apnea earlier, decades earlier. What a profound impact that has, not only on someone's life, but the economics of the entire healthcare system. We're downstream treating all the issues when they're big and expensive, when we could be treating upstream in the what's called the prodomal asp a part of the disease, the beginnings of it. Root cause thinking not only saves a human life, it can also save our entire healthcare system. I do not say that lightly. It is very, very important to realize that. And as things get worse in our healthcare system, we need to think this way. Yeah, the connection between airway, breathing, sleep, bruxism, sleep bruxism, which is what we call it now, because it is related probably to sleep. We don't fully understand that yet, but also craniofacial pain, all of that, that whole triad of symptoms and pathology is in fact kind of a prodomal catch it early kind of thing. If we can recognize this early, tongue tie, size of the airway, a facial development, you know, making a flat plane night guard actually makes all of this worse. That's kind of just treating the symptom. So this is why you need to see a functional dentist because they're looking at this connection between the airway, breathing, sleep, grinding, and craniofacial pain, tooth pain, you know, TMJ, TMD is what I'm referring to there. So you need to see a functional dentist to get it done and fixed permanently, making sure they're looking for a mature, proper swallow, restoring nasal breathing. Oh my God, nasal breathing is big. Dentistry is a leader in that area. I mean, I've been talking about mouth taping for 10 plus years and have gotten so much resistance to that from physicians and ENTs, ENTs that I work with. I mean, I'll tell the patient to do that. I've talked about it in the past. I mean, on this podcast, I'm not going to get into it now. I use it as a differential diagnosis, but also for mild cases, it can really help a patient. It also helps the patient realize that there's a problem. And then I'll refer them to the ENT that I work with. Everything's great except for, oh, don't mouth tape. That's bad for you. I mean, but now it's finally coming into vogue. And just read James Nestor's book. My friend James wrote a wonderful book about breathing called Breath. And I highly recommend everyone read that. One of the best health books written in the last five years. Easily readable, fun to read, real adventure story on the lost art of breathing. Yes, it is a lost art. Yeah, neutral bite, balanced occlusion, jaw position, proper oral volume, space for the tongue to sit properly. Who's talking about all this? A functional dentist is talking about this and looking for it and knows how to treat it. The ADA and 
many specialty feeds, fields, finally, I know you know that I like to pick on the ADA, but they are beginning to encourage this type of thinking. So we should all consider moving in this direction together. If the ADA thinks we should, right? Okay, I'm picking on them again, sorry. Recently, the, I think it's the ACP, it's an association of prosthodontists. Those are dentists that specialize in rebuilding the occlusion, restoring proper bite by doing crowns and other things. They recommend that all dentists screen for sleep apnea, obstructive sleep apnea, prior to making a night guard. I have a blog post on that that's four or five years old already. It just didn't make sense. Again, I would not have thought of that if it wasn't for this global, systemic, functional way of thinking. The ADA, again, back to them, (laughs) uh, also just passed, this is positive, just passed a resolution saying that dentists should now screen their patients for sleep disorders. Just opening the vertical dimension, that's putting in a lot of crowns, widening the distance between the lower and upper jaw, which can help in some cases restore what's been lost by grinding, also maybe due to poor facial development, but also you can move the jaw. When you try and move the jaw forward, you can actually close the airway and make obstructive sleep apnea or sleep disorder breathing worse. So the ADA is covering themselves there by saying that. That's important. Again, all this stuff's going to come down the chain much later. Everything's delayed. You read a study, look for something that addresses that in actual practice 15 years later. That's what they say. And I agree with that. I've seen it. Sometimes it takes longer. Several organizations have been established currently and are encouraging countries to make it a law that all newborn babies be assessed for tongue and lip tie restrictions. Not surprising to me, Brazil was the first country to adapt such a law. Brazil is very pro-myofunctional therapy. In fact, a lot of the studies come from there. Uh, The U.S. is behind in this regard. Everyone thinks U.S. dentists are the best trained in the world. That's not always the case. This is important. In Japan, dental hygienists, they have mandatory oral facial malfunctional requirements for studies. I'm not sure if it's a postdoc or in their programs, but actually, I think it is part of their program. In fact, myofunctional therapy, that whole message, and again, this is in the book, Breath as well, is gaining a lot of interest and traction in dentistry, even in the U.S. Thank goodness. Some of my most interesting conversations are with myofunctional therapists. They get it. They can do so much for you. Well, they work with the dentist, and they can actually educate the dentist and make them a better dentist. And this, of course, again, always back to the patient, provides for a much better, safer, happier, cheaper, less expensive outcome. Can't beat that, right? Another great example of functional dentistry is the P. gingivalis bug, which we've known about for a long time. It's in the mouth, one of the dominant bugs in the mouth bacterium. It is being found in the brains of Alzheimer's patients. This is very close to my heart. My mother passed away from Alzheimer's. You know, I saw all the oral implications with her. It all, especially now in hindsight, makes sense. Should we understand this mechanism of how that oral bacteria gets into the brain? And trying to understand that and maybe prevent that? Of course we should. I mean, my goodness, this is functional thinking at its best. The P. gingivalis bug, so important. And there's a lot more about that. I've written about that. I'll try and put a link in the show notes about that so you can read about that if you're interested, if that's the first time you've heard about it. There is a lot of talk about, for example, the functional somatic syndrome, where the whole nervous system appears sensitized or affected. And this also, the reason I'm bringing this up as a dentist, because it includes bruxism that is in the list of symptoms and signs of this syndrome. 
It also includes symptoms like disturbed fragmented sleep, which I'm very concerned about when I treat my patients. I treat patients for sleep. Lightheadedness, of course, headaches, migraines, orthostatic hypertension. I see a lot of my younger female patients that have disrupted sleep, interrupted sleep, they have this orthostatic hypertension. They move suddenly, they get very lightheaded, they get up from a resting position, that kind of thing. Stress in the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems. I mean, this is very complicated and slightly out of the realm of a dentist, certainly a physician. This is where I refer to neurologists and work with them on it. Again, this collaboration between a dentist and physician, what a crazy idea that is, right? You know, cold hands and feet. I get a lot of that with patients. Uh, That's something I look for. So functional medicine has recognized that it needs to work alongside dentists. Even more importantly, I think dentists have recognized the value of working alongside physicians. We can't work in our own little worlds. A dentist can't work in what physicians call the little black box just in the mouth. It's a vacuum. That is not good for the patient. So these dentists that think that way, again, are typically functional dentists. Collaboration between, for example, a functional dentist and a neurologist and a myofunctional therapist and all these different dimensions or specialties of healthcare are important. And it goes on from there. So again, I hope you hear the passion in my voice about this. I get a little excited about functional dentistry. I think it's important. I think I've outlined pretty well in general in this episode about why it's so important, what it is, what I'm excited about. I just thought of something, fluoride. we got to get fluoride out of the water. That's something that most functional dentists agree with. And they are reviewing studies. And we have over almost 70 studies linking fetal and infant exposure of ingested fluoride in our water, in your drinking water, to lower IQ, neurological damage to your kid's brain. I mean, it's really, I'm very excited about, just to sum it all up, functional dentistry is kick-ass. It's the way to go. It's the future of dentistry. And here's one last point. I speak with a lot of providers, as you may imagine. I speak with a lot of the people on my functional dental list. I just reached out to two in England, actually three in England. I have some questions for them. And I would say half of them are younger dentists, and they're really worried. They're trying to make it on their own as a sole proprietor. Corporate dentistry, what I call Wall Street dentistry, is taking hold. It's what they did to medicine 20 years ago, made it all PPO, HMOs, nonprofits, whatever you want to call it, big money makers. That's now happening to dentistry. Dentistry has been very immune or resistant to that. We've only been about 50% infiltrated with PPO, HMOs, managed care, kind of third-party control. And yes, it is a form of control over what the dentist gets to do on you as a patient. Scary, isn't it? And now it's creeping up to maybe 70%, where in medicine, it's 98%. So be wary of that, I think. And my point is, is that these younger dentists are worried about that. And my reply to that is simple. And I was able to drop a lot of these dental plans decades ago and function just fine with it by explaining stuff to my patients and making them loyal, not making them loyal, you know, making them 
so interested in the approach and giving them benefits that they didn't have by seeing a conventional dentist, they became loyal patients and referred other patients. This was never an issue for me. Even though I was in the Silicon Valley and seeing, you know, all these private practices being sold to big corporate identities. So a functional dentist can thrive because they are providing a better product. So this is another thing I'm excited about. I think it's going to save dentistry from what happened to medicine, this managed care kind of mania and debacle. It really reduced the quality of healthcare and that, and it interferes with that relationship between the patient and the provider. So a functional dentist will be happier when they go home at night, they'll sleep better. And the patient will be happier, they'll sleep better, and they'll refer you patients, and this will continue. Functional dentistry is the future of dentistry. It's also the future for healthcare. Again, back to that example I gave of being able to recognize sleep apnea decades before it gets recognized by the modern Western medical system. It's huge. I mean, think of what that will save you, being overweight, unhappy, and depressed and creeping up on that slowly, and then getting heart disease and needing to be put on meds. Catching that early, maybe even, I mean, I see that in one-year-olds. I see it in infants. The minute we see a tongue tie in someone, we know where that's going because we are thinking upstream, way upstream. We're at the headwaters, and we are trying to prevent all this stuff from happening. Functional dentistry, it's great. Thank you, Marin, for asking that question. I'm going to end it here before I get too over the top and excited, but it's a bright future for all of us. And again, if you're listening to this and this doesn't sound familiar to you from whoever you're seeing as a provider, go to our list. I'll give you that link in a minute. But functional dentistry is very important. Again, as I said earlier, so is functional medicine. And a lot of my inspiration came from functional medicine. So really, really important stuff. And it's new. It's better. It's improved. Seek it out. All right. I think that answers the question. Again, Marin, thank you so much for asking that. Personally, I thank you for that. It was wonderful just sitting here and thinking about it and answering it. Hopefully it meant as much to all of you as it did to me. So if you're looking for, I promised you that directory, if you're looking for a functional dentist, go to askthedentist.com slash directory. If you want to read more about this, again, I'll include a link on functional dentistry. Go to our website. We've been talking this way for, it's almost been 15 years. Again, my daughter, you know, when she was younger, a teen, late teen, and she heard me talking to my patients on the phone, or she would also work at the practice during the summer. And, and one day she said, dad, we got to get this on the web. And that's how it all started because she even knew then that it was something different. So I thank her, of course, Catherine. And so go to our website, askthedentist.com. Also, if you have any questions, anything, ask me anything, speakpipe.com slash Ask the Dentist. Again, I really appreciate you listening and bearing with me on sometimes these longer episodes than others. And I hope this was an interesting topic for you. It's very general, but I think it's important because if your mindset is such as what we discussed, I think in the end, all of your oral health and even systemic health issues I think they will be better addressed if you understand it this way. Again, you cannot expect something out of your provider unless you have a concept of where you want to go and how you want to approach this. So again, this is the purpose of this podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Again, I guess being out and Friday night and going to a concert and really got me going. So maybe I need to do more of that. I recommend you 
maybe go out for a walk today, maybe see some greenery, some natural surroundings. I think it's uh, good for all of us. It certainly helped me this Saturday morning. Again, thanks for joining me. See you at the next episode. Bye, guys. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a dentist, doctor, or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional dental care provider, you can visit askthedentist.com directory and search or find a dentist database. It's important that you have someone in your corner who's trained, is a licensed healthcare practitioner, and can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.